For most people who dedicate years to education and training for what is supposed to be a career, changing their mind would be out of the question. It's not uncommon for people to get stuck in a job or life they're unhappy with because they think they'd be throwing all the time away. Societal norms will tell you to stick it out, suck it up, and push through. Parents will project guilt and shame onto you. But if you're anything like our guest today and truly feeling called in a new direction, then he would tell you to go after it. After collecting six figures of debt and a doctoral degree that gave him a high earning potential, he quickly realized he was destined for something else. Only a few months into his professional career as a physical therapist, he decided to go in his own direction. And soon after, found himself road tripping across the country with friends and working online as he went. Today, he's settled down in Austin, Texas, for now, and supporting business owners with his expertise in social media advertising and business strategy. He's built and sold his own online fitness company, and he's been an incredible mentor and friend to me as well. Join me in welcoming to the show, Matt Shiver. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Stoked hey, to be uh, here. I remember talking to you when I when I came down to visit um, Austin last was that last month, month and a half ago, recently, and uh, you're just sharing your story about uh, how you went from going to school wanting to be a doctor and treating people, physical therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And then doing that for a very short period of time before realizing it wasn't for you. And, and you wanted to go a completely different route and you started coaching. And now, you're, um, now your main focus is on advertising. Yeah. And I found that to be such an interesting uh, transition. <laughs> and, um, and there were some things that happened in between that, like personally, I imagine, right? Mm-hmm. What uh? What could you tell me about like the moment you realized you didn't want to do that anymore? You didn't want to be treating people in an office. Yeah, you know, I I knew when I was going into physical therapy school that I wanted to do something online. I wanted the ability to be able to work wherever, whenever, on my own time for whoever. Like, <laughs> I wanted that flexibility, and I knew I wanted it well before I went into PT school and. I remember I, I first came across this whole entire concept when I was reading the four hour work week, mm. which is a, a Tim, Tim Ferriss book. If you haven't read it, uh, it changed my life and trajectory for uh, forever. <laughs> and I remember reading that when I was a sophomore in college and just the, the way of, of, of living of like, Oh my gosh, like it, he literally talks about basic marketing. Here's how to do an opt-in. And then you just do this. And then like, you can hire some VAs and you can do this. And then you can travel and live wherever you want. I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. this is, this is a real thing. You could, you could do this. So I got bit with that bug before I even went into to grad school. So you didn't and, even know uh, that was possible no, until, I, until you read the not book. Until I read the book. Yeah. And once I read the book, it, it made it seem so clear and easy. And then as I dug more into it, I started noticing other coaches and other entrepreneurs that were doing something similar. 
so that was in the back of my mind. So th then I went into PT school and um, yeah, I continued working online. So I was an online trainer while I was in PT school. I had some competitive weightlifting athletes that I coach. So uh, snatching clean and jerk, the sport of weightlifting. And yeah, like in the middle of the lecture, I'd be, you know, maybe uh, they'd be talking about some sort of rehab thing in the hospital. I'm just on my computer being like five, three, one. Okay, cool. All right. Now I'm looking at uh, um, just different strength and conditioning modalities. And I'd be reading books, I'd be reading eBooks. And I was like, man, this stuff's really fascinating. So I was, I was doing that while in PT school. And I remember the moment that I realized that this was, I was not going to be treating. I was feeling very, very overwhelmed in a physical therapy-based practice. It was in Phoenix, Arizona. So the last year of PT school, you do clinical internships all across the United States. And I remember where I was and I just got so overwhelmed and I was just so frustrated because the, I was treating patients every 30 minutes, some new person would walk in the door and that would be like that for the entire day. And we were working um, 10 hour shifts during this day. So we'd get there at like six or 7 a.m. and I wouldn't leave until close to like 6 p.m. Mm. And it was just, yeah, every 30 minutes, someone new would come in. And I just didn't have enough time to like really give them my energy and like actually help them. And I got so frustrated. My like instructor pulled me aside. He's like, you got to pull it together. And I was just like, I'm drained, mm. I'm drained. And, and he said something, he's like, you know, this might not be for you. And I was like, wow, really? Like, I mean, I'm putting all this time in this and into work and to, you know, doing this, this whole yeah, three year, three year degree. It's like, this might not be for me. I guess not. Yeah. That's a big pill to swallow after putting so much time and effort into something. Yeah. And, and I knew that I was going to be doing online stuff too. So I was like, how do I do both of these together? I was like, oh yeah, I'll own a practice and I'll do this stuff. And then I just realized at that moment that there's just not enough time in the day and how exhausting that insurance-based practice can be because it's not set up for success. It's, it's set up so the, the companies can make money and, and um, it's, it's, it's nobody's fault. I guess you could blame the insurance company, but it's not like the PT's fault. They have to see that volume to make, to keep the doors open. So there's not a big profit margin in, in physical therapy. So yeah, you get, you, know, you, only, I, you get like a few bucks per visit, right? It's not even, uh, yeah. it's not that much. And, and the insurance company eats a lot of that, right? It does. I mean, it, it, takes most of it. it depends on where you're at. Like New York, they can reimburse really heavily. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of it state dependent in, in South Carolina, it's like 70, at least this was my understanding of it. It could have changed because I haven't been practicing for a few years, but it could be 75 to $150 per visit typically is what you get reimbursed, mm -hmm. but there's like a two to three week period in which you get reimbursed. If you're in an insurance-based practice, sometimes longer, mm -hmm. if they don't meet their, um, if they haven't met their deductible, then now that bill goes to the patient. And sometimes the patient doesn't know they even got a bill and it could take a long time. So from a business standpoint, they're kind of going off topic here, but just uh, it, to not to pay the time of service yeah. is, is, is frustrating because yeah. like, you know, like if someone does a, a consult with me for, for marketing or for just helping me grow, helping them grow their business, like they pay me before the session. Mm -hmm. Right. But with, with this uh, PT model, it's not that way at all. Yeah. I imagine that's frustrating. And, and, uh, 
difficult to put the to want to put the emotional attention onto it yeah and knowing that you're restricted by them and restricted by what you can do within that 15 or 30 minutes that you actually have with somebody because if you didn't if you didn't schedule in 30 minute blocks and treat people all day well you probably wouldn't make enough money yeah so you know when you circle all around i was i was loving the online coaching and i was having fun and i was just coaching I love the flexibility. I was making some money while I was in grad school and I knew I wanted to do something like this. And then after that moment, I just realized, okay, I don't really know if I want to open my own practice. I think uh, I'm, I'm much more interested in going on this all online route. So um, when I graduated, I, I had, a, I actually found a, a, I found a position or like a career opportunity to where somebody wanted me to help them grow their online business. Like, hey, we really need help growing this online business. And while you're doing this, you can come work at, at the PT clinic that I own. And um, for me, I was like, okay, cool. I'll get, I'll get my, I'm going to learn a little bit more about growing an online business. And at the same time, I'm also going to be able to um, you know, get my hands dirty treating and see if I like it this way. And um, the, the model I was treating in was actually much better. It was much more supportive. It was you know, people came in and we would give them homework to do for a week or two and they'd come back in and it was, um, that we put the power in the patient's hand. So I didn't, the, the 30 minute model was yeah. no longer a thing, but I was still seeing patients. It was still the trading with dollars for hour. And I was just like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like having to be here with somebody for an hour to make this money. So I was doing that and I was building the online business. And, uh, once once COVID happened, um, actually really once I joined the Strong Coach, which is one of the coaching programs that, that I currently support um, in a role here now, um, it allowed me to like really look at what I was doing. And I realized, okay, where am I at now? Where do I want to be? And what does my perfect day week look like? And I realized it didn't have anything to do with treating. And the moment I realized that, it's like, whoa, how can I cut down the days of treating? So I was treating three days a week and immediately after writing this stuff down, COVID happened and I had opportunities to where I dropped from three days a week to one day a week because, you know, the pan, the pandemic and the, and the world situation allowed me to do that. So it was like a, it was a gift and, um, I continued to step in that way. And within three to six months, I was no longer treating because I just came to this realization that this isn't really, I knew I didn't want to do this but now I really have a clear path of where I can take the online stuff. All right, I'm dropping this. This is fun. Sure. I spent, you know, uh, six figures and I, I racked up six mm-hmm. figures in student loans. I spent a ton of time, but you know what? Like I, I'm, I don't feel fulfilled with that. That's not fun, but you know, what feels really expansive going online, building online businesses and just building businesses in general. Mm-hmm. And for me to build a business, I can't be working in it. Like the more I'm in it and part of the system and process, it's really hard for me to st- create strategy and build relationships and build a team. So, um, yeah, that, that's what got me into the, and it's the hard to look space. at it objectively too, when you're working so much within the business, like hands-on doing the day-to-day work, whether it be coaching or treating patients at a clinic, it's when you're doing all of that, it's hard to look at, um, making sacrifices or, um, you know, focusing attention on certain things when, 
when there's like that emotional attachment to it, right? Because you're the one that's representing like the face of the business. And then there's also the, uh, the actual attachment, like the time, you don't even have the time to put into learning what it takes. And this was your first um, really glimpse into the business world entrepreneurship. Is that accurate? Yeah, that correct. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, yeah, getting bit by that bug the first time I imagine is like, wait a minute, I could do so much. And it, and what's really cool. And I want to point this out. I'm sure the listeners could agree is, is like, um, you know, you get, you do something for so long, like you go to school for something and you get really invested. Well, you know, like you said, six figures of student debt and, and then all the time and energy that you put into it to then completely pivot um, so quickly is actually really, uh, really cool. You know, whereas um, sometimes people will spend 10, 15 years doing something before they admit to themselves that they're not, that it's not for them, you know, and then, you know, you know how that goes. People feel lost and stuck and, you know, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of times it's it's it could be scary when you listen to your heart mm -hmm. and, or listening follow your heart, listen to your gut. Like when you tap into your body and your body tells you to do something, <laughs> sometimes you just like you know that, and that's where I mean, I mean that's where a lot of disease, disorder, pain, all those things come from is just like us not listening to our body, right? So you can choose to take action immediately when you hear it and be alleviated a lot of this, of those things that will develop, or you could just, you know, just numb it out. Like, yeah, I know I don't want to do this. It doesn't feel good, but I'm just going to keep doing it. That's what, what do you think that does? Man. Yeah. What do you think that does to you? Like a year later, six years later, like 10 years later, mm -hmm. and now I'm starting to have aches and pains. I'm starting to develop other things that are going on in my body. And it's like, man, what if I just listened to the first signal that came through when this first happened, would I still be here at this, at this same stage? Would I still have the aches and pains, the, the problems that I've got going on? And, you know, that's all theory. It's all speculation, but, um, it's, I, it's I worth questioning that, though. Yeah. It's worth questioning. Yeah. Do you think that people would, um, that people get to that point, they miss the signal or they, they keep doing what they're doing and then they feel guilt. They feel shame in some way. Um, mm -hmm. I, that, yeah. That, that causes so much internally, man. I've been there. I've experienced it. I'm sure. I'm sure you have too. Mm -hmm. I want to back that. up a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to get to that point, to, to have the desire to ex like um, explore this new opportunity, the remote training, and then eventually turning that into um, building your own business and gaining all these different skills and helping other businesses grow. That takes a lot of curiosity, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You know, I know what that's like, the, the desire to, to just want to know, right. To, to want to um, want to know what it takes and, and then actually taking the steps in. Were you always a curious person? Was that? Was that yes. Some, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually um, on the board behind me. It's one of my, 
one of my core values is curiosity. Curiosity, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just remember when I was in high school and in college, I would just ask so many questions. It's like, why are we doing this? <laughs> but like, what, what does that have to do with this? And I had friends who are just like, stop. Seriously, stop asking questions. <laughs> I'm like, I just really want to know. <laughs> got to know the so, answers. You got to know why. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that bleeds on into to all things. Like when I was doing... Uh, online training and I was more of a, a trainer or even a PT, I was reading so much mm. and watch like taking so many courses, just learning all the different modalities, all the different just ways to get strong, you know, jacked, strong, tan, uh, mobile <laughs> and pain-free. And then as I started the transition into business, it was the same thing. It was like, I'm, I'm, I'm still a course junkie, dude. I, mm -hmm. <laughs> I just finished a course here uh, yesterday. And I'm like, all right, now, now what? It's like, all right, what's the next investment I'm going to make? And like, it's, it's one of the best investments you can make is, yeah, you want to, you definitely want to invest in your health. You want to invest in your future wealth. And then also, and in just investing in yourself and your knowledge mm -hmm. are like the three pillars at which like three places that I, I really recommend. I think people uh, miss that in. one. You know, they, they see investing as uh, a financial return. Right. And, or you need, it needs to have a direct financial return, right. In order for you to put money in, you want to see money out. Right. And that's usually in, you know, you invest into businesses, the stock market, crypto or real estate or something like that. But then there's also investment in your health and investment in, in your fitness and your knowledge, especially. And, and if you can figure out how to calculate your ROI on investing in your knowledge and your skill set, then it'll make so much sense to do that first. I oh actually, I, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I just made a post about this, like this morning about investing in yourself. I think it's like the number one way to like fast track to wealth and just personal sovereignty. That's a big buzzword going around, but right to, to actually gain that is not by investing in, in uh, you know, just the stock market or just your finances into so you can get a financial return. But imagine a compounding effect on investing into your, your brain power, which, by the way, can only appreciate how do you unless you yeah, do the wrong dementia, unless you have dementia over yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, you're right, because all right, look, you can you can be all about fiat. You could be a dollar. You can be all about Bitcoin. You can yeah. be all about these things. But you know what? If you have a skill that's worth something, you can. People will trade you whatever it is worth. Mm -hmm. So if I can be an amazing marketer or I can be an amazing salesperson every single year, regardless of if this dollar is the is the thing that I'm giving you, if it's crypto, it doesn't matter. If your value, the value you can provide somebody continues to get higher and higher, people are going to pay you, or they're going to have to pay you more of whatever the asset is I'm giving you, which is like, you know, the dollar today, because that's just, because you're just better. And like, you have the skill and it's worth that amount. So yeah, it's like, it, people don't see it directly, but you're like, man, if I can get really, really good, then and I'm providing more value from my skill set, like I'm going to receive more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard to calculate. It's like it's it's future planning, definitely, if you can think that way. And that's that's often what I see is like where people struggle. And I work with clients to help them 
develop their like leadership skills. And the first piece of that is leading yourself. Can you, can you manage your time, your resources, like your money, effort, energy, things like that. And, and then be able to delegate and automate and do things like that in your business. But if you have the inability to do that yourself, it's really difficult. And the challenging part is being able to see and recognize, oh, if I put this much effort into myself, even if it's five, 10 minutes a day of like a, a daily practice of self-love and appreciation or reading, right? That's simple enough of an investment that if you, if it compounds and you keep doing it, you know, day and night for 365 days, you'll be a completely different human being. And then if you stack on mm -hmm. a course or a mentor or a coach, well, then now you can like 10 X your efforts and the return mm -hmm. on the investment. If you want to look at it in like, like financially, you know, a great real estate portfolio is going to be 15 to 20% ROI. Like that's a lot of money. You could get the same out of taking a course every three months, you know, and putting that into yourself because you'll find so much opportunity. That's the beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. the relationships the connections and everything so so going back to like when you got in when you started to realize that this was going to be the thing working online and working for yourself too like that was that's a big piece right um what did you do what was what did that look like what was your what was your initial business i know you were doing some strength and conditioning coaching for weightlifters um you know what did that turn into for you and then um, how did that get you to where you are now? Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I graduated school, I was, I was doing already coaching people online. And I, I, I said earlier, I was like, Oh, I got, I got presented this opportunity to, to, to work with this, <clears throat> this person and, and help them build their online business as well as treating in, in person in the online business that, that I helped them create or really get off the ground was it's, it's still in existence. Um, it's a fitness program that helps with first responders like health and wellness. So we give them daily workouts, nutrition support. Uh, recently they added in some other features like um, BJJ, like uh, they have a combatives version now too. So they have like an online resources for, for law, law enforcement officers to, mm -hmm. yeah, to, to know how to uh, do hand-to-hand -hand combat and in a safe way to protect both the officer yeah. and then the civilian. So, you know, we, we found a problem. There wasn't really any there wasn't really any online fitness program for cops specifically. So that's what we developed. And uh, yeah, it was a, it's, it's, it's still in existence. It's called effective fitness to a $25 program a month. And we wow. delivered all of our training through Trainerize, And we just built up a, um, yeah, we had a big Instagram account and continued and continued to, to grow those right now. And, and those funnel over to, to that program. So that one, um, yeah. So that was, that was like my, my big two year, that was my last two years was helping them grow to a certain level. And then, uh, recently exiting that team and now supporting other coaches in the health wellness space and just other really like health and wellness entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. They can also be, you know, physical therapists, chiros, uh, gyms, but people in this space is, is really what I'm, I'm, I'm being drawn to, to continue to support. What is something you find this common among those, right? Among the health and wellness coaches and um, even the, in people in the medical profession. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is like, if I, if I look at business, there's really, 
there's specific teams in a business. There should be, there's, and that's not always yeah. the case. Gyms are notorious for this. Sales, marketing, that, operations, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sales, marketing, operations, fulfillment. And for fulfillment, that's really like coaching or yeah. you know, if it's PT, it's, 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 a, it's that. But most businesses really focus on the fulfillment. And yeah. that's awesome. That's really important to have a really high quality team. But they don't have like, the amount of people they have in fulfillment is way less than the people they have in marketing. Mm-hmm. The people they have in sales. And if I can just look at your roster and, and there is no one in, in marketing and no one in sales, but you have like five to 10, you know, employees that are fulfilling my, my question is always like, well, why don't you get one person to, to feed you guys more leads? So, and, and I think leads is also a, a big issue that, that, that I noticed in the Atlanta space is that, uh, they're very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, yeah, some months we do really well. Some months we don't do well at all. So it's like, you don't have a good, you don't have any resources internally that are helping you get these leads and like, and actually fulfill on those leads and like actually like nurture those leads to where they want to work with you. Mm. I notice a, a big problem with lead generation, nurturing. And uh, my, I think the big reason for that is that most of the budgeting goes towards fulfillment and there isn't right. a massive budget for sales, marketing and uh, just, yeah, overall growth. I've seen a lot of fear around that, around, and like I said before, move, shifting your attention and your resources to those other departments of your business away from, away from fulfillment, right? In, into marketing or into sales. And, and like, like you said, it's because there's, it's unpredictable, or at least for someone who's uneducated on those things, it's unpredictable. And that was a yeah, big, that was most- a huge learning curve for me is realizing that it is predictable. It can be predictable if you put in certain effort and you know how. Yeah. Most coaches, most health and wellness entrepreneurs don't know their customer acquisition cost, And that's a, that's a, that's a number. And it takes some, it definitely takes time to, to know that number, but most of them rely off word of mouth referral mm-hmm. and, uh, and don't even do and- that well. <laughs> And don't even do that well. They don't ask for testimonials. They don't ask for word of mouth referrals. Like, hey, you know, we're a small, you, this simple thing can get you a lot more clients. Talking to a client who's having a good experience and saying, hey, the, we're a small business and we rely heavily on word of mouth referrals to grow our business. We don't have the same marketing budget as insert name of company competitor. We, is there anybody that that uh, that you know who would benefit from the services that you experienced uh, just, just like yourself. And if they say, yes, cool. Can you connect us via text or email? Awesome. Thank you. And like, but people don't ask. It's like, they're scared to ask. I was like, if you're doing your job and you're transforming someone's life, live life, yeah, life, you can ask for a testimonial, (laughs) right? Like you can ask for testimonial. You can ask for referral because more than likely they're like proud. They work with you. They're like, dude, this dude changed my life. Awesome. Can you share that with someone else? Who, That's I mean, a huge you know? sell for them. And uh, it's the reason why people refer because they feel good about it. They want to share the, that it's a, it's a status thing. And it's also like a, people want to do things with their friends. I got Hopefully. used to, I got in the habit of, um, and I think this was a really good habit I established or pretty early on, but, but building in asking for referrals at every stage of their like client journey, like, when they book a sales call, they, they mm. could have brought a, they could bring a friend or, 
you could bring someone to an assessment or bring someone to take a free class when I had my gym. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but always asking like, Hey, who do you know? That's like you. And it's very likely that they know a lot of people like them. That's how, you know, that's how they make friends. Mm -hmm. It's, and uh, yeah, I see that all over the industry where, where did you, um, where did you find that uh, you were able to best help when in, in like helping people solve that problem? Where, where did you find was like the hurdle where you could get people over that was, that was different? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes up is is, is systems. Yeah, is building <laughs> systems, and you can build systems. There's typically um, when I say systems, there's there's a lot of things that that, that means. But even if, if we look at a, a team, there's there's typically two things that have to happen with the business. You have a growth engine or a growth uh, system, lead generation system, whatever you want to call it, a growth mm -hmm. system, and you have a fulfillment system. And there's going to be different. You know, there may be multiple parts of that. But like outlining those things, and um, you're going through the marketing mastery course now, and it, it is like, if your process can't be drawn on a whiteboard or drawn on a piece of paper and shown to somebody, it's too complex. Mm -hmm. So keeping things simple, and this is a lot around marketing in general, is like keeping things simple, and then all right, this is how I acquire clients. Step one, all the way to step whatever, the one they purchase. Awesome. Here's the outline of that. Beautiful. Now, how can I create numbers to support those? Right? So if, if you do rely on word of mouth referral, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. How many word of mouth referrals have you asked for this month? Okay. How many word of mouth um, referral, like contacts leads did you get? How many sales calls did you get? If you rely on word of mouth as your main source for growth, that's great, but you have to create uh, a way to track that, to, to know, okay, cool. This is how we grow. So if I turn this knob up over here, mm -hmm. or I improve this part over here, it's going to deliver X or it'll do some X result. And then there, a lot of this is, it's a big game, right? It's like, it's a big game. It's like, all right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to turn this nozzle over here. Okay. This worked. Oh, that didn't work. And, and <laughs> it's just, it's just monitoring. So like for me, when I, when I support um, business owners is a lot of it is around creating systems to make those things more predictable, right? Cause we talked about like the health and wellness is like kind of a roller coaster effect of like, sometimes they're crushing it. Sometimes it's just nothing is, they have no leads. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what to do. Maybe I should do Facebook ads. They're like, well, how are you currently acquiring customers? Oh, well, I can't really tell you. It's like, if you can't tell me or draw it, you've got a, you've got a problem here. It's like, yeah, just draw it, make it simple add some numbers to this, like add some numbers and goals for the specific steps and let it run for a little bit. And then if it needs to be adjusted, you can change it or you can scrap it and make a new one, but you've got to have, you've got to have data. Mm -hmm. I noticed uh, at least, and this was for me in my experience. And I noticed with a lot of people is that what you're describing going into the weeds of the business, it seems like a lot of work. And it feels overwhelming. It can feel overwhelming because what, like, you're out of practice. You haven't practiced it. So yeah, it seems like it's hard. Um, but when you actually start to put it out on paper, if you have a whiteboard, even better, draw it out, make, put it in front of you, big letters. It's really simple. And, and when you can get these things down to where you can rattle off the numbers in your sleep, 
it makes everything else much easier. It actually takes a lot of the pressure off and the stress because, you know, like you said, if you know that word of mouth um, gets you X percent in sales calls and conversions, well, then you only need to pay attention to that and, you know, ask a hundred people, for example, to get three new clients. If your client value is, you know, $5,000 for an upfront offer, you, it's really simple and you can minimize the amount of time it takes to do that, which gives you a lot more freedom and gives you a lot more like time to focus on the fulfillment side and make it worth $5,000, mm-hmm. you know? And I think a lot of times what ends up happening is people are chasing volume when it's, it doesn't need to be a volume game, like as many clients as possible, or I need to fill this program or something like that, but not really having a plan of what it really takes. And what you really want, right? It's like yeah. gonna, volume. It's like, all right, let's look at your perfect day. Like, you know, that, that's <laughs> ultimately a big part of, of my process is like step one is typically creating an a really good offer right yeah. but then it's like okay of this of this offer how many of these do you want to sell like yeah how many people do you really want to serve do i want to build a business because it, it, when i'm building a business there's there's typically there's multiple ways you can go but there's let's just say there's two main styles of business one is a lifestyle business mm-hmm. which coaching typically fits in that like it brings you income but you're not going to sell it and then the other type of business is, is something that's high profit margins and the, the goal of that is to, to eventually have an exit. Mm-hmm. You can still exit a lifestyle business 100%, but um, good branding it's, it's a little and, bit different. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, the Sean coach, which is Mike Bledsoe's brand. Uh, it, it could be sold eventually, but then we have to find a new lead source because our current lead source is Mike Bledsoe. So it's like that, that wouldn't work really well if Mike's like, all right, I'm leaving. We're like, yeah, okay, it would cool. take a lot of work. Mm-hmm like you have to get it to a certain spot. So that's more of a lifestyle business. It's, it's not something that's planning on being sold, but you know, if I make AirPods, yeah, cool. That's a totally different game. I'm like, well, right, that, how that can I get happen. this cost down so low and yeah. get so many purchases in where it is a volume game to where cool. I've had great profits the past three years. I'm out mm-hmm. and I have a, you know, seven, eight, nine figure exit as opposed to you know, uh, a lifestyle business where you're making 10 to 50 K a month. And like, that's just the income that comes into you and you live off of that or you reinvest that in other places, but it doesn't, that money doesn't really generate wealth for you. Like a, like an exit would, you know, what, what really, um, helped me gain the discipline to, to dig in and, and do the work and set up the systems was realizing like what was, you know, when I finally started, I did the numbers and I realized that, Hey, I could work. I could only serve like seven clients at a time for eight months out of the year and be fulfilled mm-hmm. and, and realizing that I didn't need to be focusing on marketing and sales 365 days a year and also trying to fulfill mm-hmm. it's organizing this and you can think of it and i came up with my own strategy blueprint for this you can say um to where it's it creates a a business life cycle as i like to call it so you know there's the 
market research and the planning, and then there's the execution of the mark of the marketing, and then there's the sales portion, and then the fulfillment. And built into that is running through this process of um, where I only have to focus on an aspect of the business as opposed mm-hmm. to the entire thing, which makes it as a solo entrepreneur, especially, yeah, really digestible to where you're like not overwhelmed anymore by all of the things. And I've, you know, spent years working in a CrossFit gym where um, you're doing the same thing every single day. And it becomes really difficult to create these life cycles because you're always like starving for new members because the turnover rate is so high. And it was really challenging to be able to do that, but realizing when you can do it and you only need to do so much it's a, it's a game changer. And the, you know, for the listeners on this show, who everyone, most of the people listening to this are going to be uh, able to relate solo entrepreneurs in the outdoor industry or in the coaching mm-hmm. industry, health and wellness and, um, and on their own. Right. And you're looking at a business structure, like, Oh, I have departments. How am I going to manage marketing and sales and fulfillment and coaching and, and who's going to do this and who's going to do that. And it's just so much. And, and when you can really start to dial it into right, time, how much time you really need, how much do you want to do? Like, can, can you realistically work for an hour a day? Like, yeah, you can yeah. if it's organized well enough and you don't get distracted. Yeah. And I like how you said you kind of put the, you make the business seasonality in a way where it's like yeah, exactly. it's the end season, the end season, we focus on sales and marketing, the off season, we focus on fulfillment and retention. Yeah. And like, that's having a plan. That's also another issue I see a lot of is just like people not having really good 90 day plans. Goals, like legit goals. (laughs) Right. And, but if you're, if you're a solopreneur, you can really only work on like three to five max projects a quarter. So like, if you're like, Oh, I'm going to do this, this, this. And like, that's another big issue I see too, is just not having like a clear path that you can go down. Mm Mm-hmm and just stick to like that. And typically when people, before people bring me on is that is what they've been doing. It's like, Ooh, I saw this thing. It's a really good idea. And I did this and it's like, <laughs> no, if that's it, if, if you want to do that, we'll write it down. We're going to revisit that in 90 days and see if it's still a good idea. Yeah. I, I did that this morning. I, I was doing my workout and uh, you know, an idea hit me. I'm like, Oh, this is this thing I can do with my business and it'll be great. And we can, market it this way. And, and like all of these ideas rushed into my head and, and I, you know, got on my iPad and started drawing it out because that's how I, I can visualize things really well. So put it on paper. Right. And I immediately moved it into my safe for later folder. Nice. Right. And I, I've been, I'm making this happen at, you know, at the end of every quarter is when I'm going to review those safe for later things and then decide. Yeah. Right. And in that, in that like two week span of time that I've bought, that I've blocked out is going to be all about uh, creation, learning and decision-making for like the next 90 days. That way it's just simple, no mm-hmm. stress, you know, you give it enough time to see if it actually is a good idea. Yeah. Or even dedicate some space to flesh it out even more and, but not make the decision to do it right away. Whereas in the past, I would have been like, 
all right, we need to make this happen. We need to start this right now. Right. And there's definitely a place for like taking action immediately on your ideas. But as long as it's related to the, like the rocks, the goals that are right in front of you, the things you want to accomplish right now and allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to be consistent with that stuff because it does work pretty well, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really well, actually. I want to, uh, I want to, um, I want to talk about your road trip, man, because that, that's what got me excited when we had, when we were talking and, um, I, uh, I was curious because you ha have you, had you gone anywhere before that or done anything like that? You spontaneously took off on a six month adventure. Yeah, no, right. I had not. Yeah. This is so your first time doing something like that. Yeah. It, what prompted yeah, so it? Well, man, I, you know, I've always wanted to travel a lot. And like, that was, I, um, I just finished a personal development course, uh, the end of 20, 2020. And I was going into 2021 and it was like December. And I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not really sure what I want to do this year. And I'm, I'm not always one for like new year's resolutions by any means. Cause mm -hmm. it, it's also just a, side note or kind of mini rant is that December and like the winter is typically time of like death, right? Like, like, think, like a lot of my ideas and projects I was working on died. Like I had two startups that I was supporting in December or this past December and they were, you know, they were, they were dying and, that, and that's okay. And like, that's the time to do that. And like really the time to set resolutions is springtime. Like right now it's, it's we're about to be going to summer. I've had so many new opportunities come. It's like, it's yeah, just, it's a very seasonal, but you know, regardless of, of, of uh, the seasons and all that's that, a philosophical discussion. We could get it, into it another time, <laughs> but I, I, I remember it was uh, December and one of my mentors just recommended doing a long breathwork session, going somewhere and just getting really clear minded of like, all right, what, what do you want to do this year? Is there any intention or is there any word that comes up? And uh, I took a yoga mat out to a field and just laid in a field and did some breath work for, I think it was like 45 minutes to an hour, hour and a half. And um, I just got really clear and I was like, I got my notebook out. I'm like, all right. And I asked myself, what do I want to do this year? Hmm. The word travel came up. So I wrote it down, travel. I'm like, well, what do I, where do I go from here? And I, uh, I, I chose to just reach out to somebody. I was like, oh, let me just reach out to the person that I know who traveled the most last year. So I reached out to my friend, Ben. It's mm -hmm. like, yo, Ben, can we hop on a call? I, how did you organize, you know, the Airbnbs, like your travel schedule? How did you do all this? How much did it cost? What do I need? You know? Mm. And that rabbit uh, hole. Yeah. <laughs> I had a call with him and he's like, you know, he gave me some of the details and at the end of the call, he's like, yo, man we're, I'm just going to do this again next year. Do you just want to join and join me? And I've actually got like six other people who are going to do it with me. I'm like, Psh, yes, this would be amazing. <laughs> so yeah, it was, a, you know, I was met with some resistance of like, well, what about my apartment? What if I don't find a subletter? How am I going to do this? I just moved to my apartment in like October. And I was like, you know, three months later, I'm like, I'm leaving. Um, you know, so I was like, Oh, it, it, really similar. It reminded me back of PT. It's like, oh, I just spent all this time in PT school. I should be a PT. Oh, I just moved into this apartment. I, sh I should, I should stay here. And I was like, no, my body doesn't want me to. 
my, and, and I, I really want to go explore. And if I keep living by this way of, oh, you know, I, I spent so much time in here. I'm comfortable. I'm just going to stick with this. Then I'm never going to truly do the things that I really want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was really what spurred that, that travel experience was just, you know, listening, like tuning in, what do I want to do? Awesome. Who's done it before? Let me talk mm-hmm. to them which I mean also happens in business. You're like, Ooh, I want to do this thing with, I want to do this thing with YouTube ads. Okay. Who's done it before? Let me go talk to them. And you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Your energy goes in that direction. And, and what I, what's really cool is, you know, we could point this out is as soon as you started asking the questions, the opportunity came, came towards you. Like, Hey, you're just asking questions and then you get invited to, go and do it. And now, and now you get presented with it. Whereas before it might've just been an idea in your head and you know, you, you still had a way out if you needed, but now that it was actually in front of you, like, Oh, wow, I can actually do this. I can actually go that I'm sure that, you know, that's a sign that's more energy. That's more like energy driving you toward doing the thing. Where's Mm -hmm. the first place that you ended up going? Where'd you travel to? Yeah. So I, the first, so I left in March, in March of 2021 from South Carolina and I drove to Austin or I drove to Texas first. So I stopped, I stopped on the way and saw someone in Jackson, Mississippi for the night. So I could crash there. Then I drove to a farm. My, one of my mentors has a farm in um, probably like two, two hours east of Austin, maybe two, two, maybe three. Regardless, I stayed with him and he's got, he's got like a renewable, renewable farm, um, a garden, all that stuff. Like he's, 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 he had a business, he sold business and now he's, he's uh, just really, really cool guy and a good, good mentor. Just a lot of fun. And I spent a few days there with him, came to Austin for a weekend, went up to Colorado for a week. And then the first spot on our trip that we all collectively were in was in Sedona, Arizona. And we camped, we camped outside in a tent for uh, two weeks straight. And then we went to Zion outside Zion national park and camped again outside nice. for another week. And it was, it was, it was uh, an experience. Cause I had only probably camped a handful of times. And most of the time it'd be for like a night and I wouldn't sleep, you know? So I was like, Oh my gosh, two weeks outside. And it was <laughs> snowing the first day we got there. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> what have I got myself into? Culture shock. That's a big difference, right? And what a beautiful place to to have that experience in in Sedona, right? What time beautiful. of year was that? March. Oh, so it was still getting pretty cold at night. <laughs> yeah, it was it snowed the first night. I think it snowed maybe two two more two more times in Sedona. Sedona's relatively hot though. Like it would snow and it would it would never wouldn't yeah. stick very long. It would be there for a little bit and then it would get really hot the next day. And then I don't think it snowed in Utah, but yeah, mm-hmm. camped. And I did not have a sub 30 degree or yeah. sub, you know, 40 degree, uh, sleeping bag, it? sleeping bag. Yeah. Like my tent was <laughs> Amazon, 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 like, you know, just like, you know, cheap stuff, which is fine. Like I, I it got me, it, it worked for me. But uh, now I understand, oh, I need something warmer because I was with my dog and I bring my dog in my sleeping bag. I'm like, you can sit right here. You're going to warm me up. <laughs> and I had a beanie. I had to put the beanie over my face 
it was it was cold <laughs> been there i've done that <laughs> man and yeah it's you am getting things on amazon like you get to try it out and then you realize wow there's a reason why these things are really expensive like a good sleeping bag is going to be anywhere from 500 to a thousand dollars that's crazy yeah I, you know mine was definitely under a hundred dollars <laughs> and i didn't know i'm like yeah i didn't know anything it's like what do i need what do i need again okay sleeping bag okay amazon sleeping bag bye have oh, you yeah, done any like camping since then um yeah yeah we did some i haven't done any this year yeah i haven't done any this year but i did a decent i did a lot last year i mean yeah I, yeah so it was two weeks in march one week in april yeah one week in april at least one at least a week in may or maybe four to five days in may mm. at least four to five days in june maybe one or two in july so all the other time was spent at people's houses or Airbnbs or something. Yeah. yeah. Airbnbs was, was pretty typical. So like the, I think the, the goal at the start was to do like two to three parts, Airbnb, one part camping. Okay. And we started definitely camping heavy when it was coldest. And then towards the end, like it was, it was hot. Like in uh, yeah, oh, June, yeah. July, it was, it was too hot. It was like, even if we wanted to do it, we would have had to like we would have had to gone go somewhere where it was cooler to do it because where we were yeah. currently at just didn't support that so so you went to sedona and then zion and where where'd you end up after that yeah so in zion i stayed in a little tiny home so i stayed in a tiny home for nice. a month and it was so it was so a perfect. whole month <laughs> yes yes and then after that we bounced around in california a little bit like uh, we were outside Lake Tahoe for about a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, we stayed in Dunsmere, outside uh, Dunsmere, California, which is like where Mount Shasta is. Yeah, way up north. Yeah, we stayed there for about a week. Um, and then I, I, I visited a friend in Huntington Beach and stayed with her for probably three or four days. So yeah, we kind of, we bounced around not that, that month was actually, I, as much as I enjoyed, enjoyed it, that was too much moving. It was like, all right, we're staying here for a few days. Then we're going here for a few days. And it yeah. got to the point where it was like, we need some stability so we can like work. Cause yeah. And whenever you do the Airbnbs, you, you just don't know when you have six coaches who all use zoom oh, for their man. coaching the bandwidth calls. Isn't that high? And you're in like, you know, uh, an Airbnb that's kind of more like a mountain house or like a, somewhere that's off a grid. Yeah. The Wi-Fi is an issue. And it's like people get kicked off and people are mad at each other. You're not mad at each other, but it's like for all of us who work online and for me, you know, like I build, I, I, I help people build certain websites or I run, I may run Facebook ads and like create the backend systems to, for me to open up Facebook ads manager or Google analytics or one of these website software systems, it's a lot of data. Yeah. So like I was out, my projects would take me twice as long and mm. that's perfectly fine for the state I was in at that time, which is why like for people who are interested you work in overnight this, while you're, while your friends are sleeping, that's one way to do it. Morning, morning, typically. Yeah. Cause a lot morning. of them would do like a lot of morning routines and like relax and but for me, I was like, I'm the most creative in the morning. I'm going to get right to it. So I would yeah. typically wake up before everybody and get the, the work work done and have my calls in the afternoon. But even then, it was just like, sometimes I wouldn't have my camera on or I'd have to 
go drive, you know, 20 minutes to a coffee shop. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, there's just like small things like that, that if you're, if you are an entrepreneur, you can definitely run a business and even like build it or grow it on the road. But if you're going to start a business, you really want to be stable because mm. those are just things that you don't want to have to deal with of like, I mean, if I had to do podcasts, it would have been really hard. Yeah. Cause yeah. like the audio cutting in and out the video, like people would just be, there's no way I could like grow my, if, if podcasting was part of my, my marketing, there's no way right, I could grow yeah. my brand by, by doing that. If you're, through, if you're on the road and you're doing zoom calls and everything, right. Yeah. It, w- it would be tough. And, and there were sometimes I would be doing webinar, like I would be doing things and I'd be in the car and uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's not ideal, but it, it definitely can be done. If you, if you want to run a business on the road, do it, like get, get your revenue up to a certain point where you're like, cool, my expenses are paid for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to travel for a few months, do it a hundred percent. But if you're like, I'm going to try to grow this thing to like, I'm going to scale it. I'm going to change operations. I'm going to build a team. It can be tough to do while traveling. I'll tell you that. Yeah, you may need to settle down first, get things in order. And then yeah. once things are systemized, automated, delegated, and you can just go out and do your part and play your role, then it, then it can work, I imagine. And 100%. just an aside, there's, I, I, uh, cause I was, I've been looking into um, buying a travel trailer and my wife and I would, you know, drive around for a couple months at a time or a few weeks at a time. And we were exploring like how to make it work work wise because our truck has wi-fi that's pretty cool but it works off of uh like cell service so it's not that reliable and then you could also buy like a, a wi-fi um a hotspot type hotspot yeah and uh and it's only like 40 or 50 bucks a month it wasn't it wasn't bad i mean those are like a little bit more reliable and then uh, the other thing i found is that you can get like a there's a membership you can get for like co-working spaces and it's uh and they're all over similar to how Airbnb works. There's like co-working spaces like that where mm. people host space and they have super high speed internet. And yeah. So there's a lot of options if that is it, if that is the route you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what we realized was like the really hard part. And the reason why we're not doing it now is like you said, to build a business, you really need to be focused for more amounts of time, more days in a row. Yeah. So it would be really difficult to move somewhere different every other week and also have to worry about the, you know, the trailer in my example, or yeah. all of the other responsibilities, raising an eight month old kid too. That's a <laughs> habit. That's like the habits, right? So it's like, for me, like one of the habits that I didn't do that I normally do is like my fitness and workout routine. Mm. I hiked a ton, which was beautiful. Yeah. But during the week, I didn't have like a good routine for, for those things. And even like my food, the food choices were different. Cause like, do I have access to a kitchen? Do I not have access to a kitchen? Well, like, yeah. you know, I got, I had a cast iron skillet. I could, I could throw that in the back of the truck with my pan. There was like days where, yeah, I'd be at a hotel and I'd have my, my cast iron skillet. I had my uh, gas, gas grill. <laughs> You know, like the little like forming grill. Cooking on the tailgate of your uh, your Toyota. Tailgate of my truck, Tacoma. (laughs) And I mean, people were like, dude, good idea. I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm going to have to do. It's not have to do, but (laughs) if I want to maintain the level of nutrition and just feel good, then I have to do things a little bit different. Like there's a lot of Airbnbs that didn't have any 
at the kitchen where we needed to like to cook or they had like not mm. the best oils or they're not the best like equipment. You're like, I don't really want to put, eat this. If this thing has been on this, this plate or this, you right. know, like things like that. So you, um, yeah, there's definitely again, some considerations you need to make that are different from being at home. Totally. And it definitely is doable. It's just that there are more obstacles that will come up. Um, yeah. Yeah. In that process. What's, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you learned from that experience? Man, how much, how, how little that I actually need. Like, yeah, I was living in a tent and I had like no expenses for like that month. So I would spend that money that I would on housing on like higher quality food. Like, cool. Well, I'm only gonna eat one meal or two meals a day. I'm gonna get grass fed, nice cuts of steak mm-hmm. and eat lots of high quality vegetables. Cause I had the extra cash because I wasn't putting it towards rent. Mm-hmm. So like realizing, oh man, if, if, if she had hit the fan, I could just go camping <laughs> and, <laughs> and work at a co-working space and, you know, like, rent for a lot of people is like for me here in Austin, it, it gets up to be like two grand a month plus. Yeah. So if there's ever a time where I'm like, shoot, I need to cut back on expenses. I could just go camping. It's not, I mean, I don't want to necessarily do that, but you know, like it's, it's I doable. That's an option for you. Yeah, dude, it's doable. It's doable. I'm like, I could do that. No would you problem. move in with your parents or go camping? Oh, psh, I'm going camping. Yeah. I'd rather go camping. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> But you know, I, yeah, I'd say how little I'm already a minimalist. Like I don't have a lot of things. Like yeah, I, don't have, I just have a white. Only thing on this in this apartment that's on the wall is this whiteboard. whiteboard. I had a friend here just a second ago. She's like, "You're gonna put anything up on the walls? It's you've been here for some time." Hmm. No. no. Well, you have a pretty <laughs> short term lease, right? I thought I did. Oh yeah, I was supposed to, but uh, I they they messed the lease up and I signed it and I didn't realize it so. It's supposed to be a seven month lease. Um, and on the really lease, like in the, it, no, it would be crazy. It's a 12 month lease. So I guess they, okay. like I, I verbally committed in an email text thread and even they gave me the rate for seven months, but they, they put the wrong date on the lease and I didn't read it. I did. I, I read most of the things, but I just didn't read that part. So I am here until January, but I, I really like Austin. So it's not like a, I'm, yeah. I'm actually like, glad that was a case because i didn't have to make a decision it was like okay cool i'll be here until january at least so so learning that you could survive with less that's that was your biggest uh that was your biggest lesson learned from this whole experience was there, was there any moment um whether and i mean you know a lot of what you did was traveling around doing some some work and there was also some adventurous stuff like you said you were going on hikes and things was there any moment during that part where you felt afraid mm. you know when i or thought about it so there yeah there is there was definitely times where like if it was just me and my dog and i was out in nature very far away yeah there were times where i'm like oh man a bear could just come up right now or like a mountain, like a lion. Like, I don't even know what is in the, the woods yeah. here. I have no <laughs> idea, you know? So th- there were definitely times where. Ignorance is bliss sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Where I was like, yeah. man, this could get crazy. Like things could happen here. 
So, but, but most of the time when, when I had a group with me, I felt really safe and, and it's not to say I didn't feel safe when I was alone. Um, but that was, I'd say probably the only time where I felt like, I guess you could say fear. Mm. Um, but I felt really good. I felt, felt really good. Like I said, financially, like having, which is crazy to think, but like realizing how little I actually needed money wise to, to survive. Like if I really wanted to, to, I don't need to work that hard to receive mm -hmm. the money that I need to live. And that was super refreshing. Um, yeah, just very refreshing. Cause you know what, I, it's not what I learned about money from my yeah. family by any means, like, you know, so to, to be like, Oh man, I've got plenty. Like I don't need that many clients if I want to live in a tent <laughs> working coffee shops. And that, yeah. but that's a, that's a beautiful realization too, is like you get to choose and, and at least where I'm from there, like what you learn about money and about necessity and need, even, even if you think you're a minimalist, you're still, your spending is still absurd and still, and so you work so hard to try to keep up with a lifestyle that is mostly unnecessary, right? Adding a lot of expenses is really not not important in feeling good and feeling fulfilled, which is what, at least what you were seeking. Some, some people yeah. don't, aren't seeking fulfillment. What, how did you know when you, how did you know that you had exactly what you needed? And mm. what was that like? What was that moment like? Hmm. Was there something Man. you remember? Like a yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, it was definitely. I remember the song. Trevor Hall has a song. It's like I have everything, everything I need. I think it's everything I need. Yeah. And uh, I just remember playing that song, and uh, it was, it was in April. Yeah, I remember hearing the song in April, and that song just hit so hard for me. And yeah, the first time I listened to it, you know, I was tearing up. I was with a group of people. We were in a um, at a retreat setting, and I was like, "Dude, this song, <laughs> this song is speaking to me." And um, just realizing I do have everything I need. Like I'm very powerful, and uh, what I can create and the life I can live is is really up to me. And that's so amazing and powerful and wonderful. So I remember that song, and I remember coming back and had a session with my friend Brady, who. Um, Mm -hmm. he does a lot of he does like he uses music as a form of emotional releases and just like to connect with yourself itself on a really deep level and i remember listening to that song <sighs> it was just this big sense of relaxation of like yeah i do have everything i need and even if i didn't i have the support and you know what the support is really all that i need it's like you know so uh, it definitely changed from like I have to do everything to create this thing. I have to do, do, do. It's like, no, I have. Yeah. And I, I, I can work as hard or as little as I want. And I'm still going to be loved and supported and still have everything I need. You know, want maybe a little different. Maybe, you know, do I want a Tesla? I don't know. Maybe but do I want a house? Yeah, maybe. But like my needs, the things that like I need food, water, shelter, love, support, mm -hmm. friends, family, a dog. <laughs> I've got I've got all the things in good health. I've got all those things. So I'm I'm grateful for those things. And 
I think whenever you spend time out in nature or traveling or camping, you just, you start to realize the shit you have at home doesn't matter. Your desk, your, your computer, your TVs, your, your whiteboard, mm-hmm. this, this things like, yeah, they, they, they're important to you and um, they contribute to their life, but they don't really matter that much. Yeah. It's uh, and for those listening, it's, it's okay to want things too. Right. Um, and I imagine that what, when you, you know, heard that song and you worked with Brady and like that whole experience, gave you a lot more freedom and sovereignty and um it's like weight coming off of your shoulders like you said you you could work as little as much as you want because you're you would be doing it to fulfill you know your needs versus fulfilling some expectation that you set or someone else's expectation of you that you think you need to live up to Mm-hmm. that's that that freedom had to feel good man yeah it does and um and that's that's another reason why i like traveling so much is that sometimes i lose that like when i'm home yeah in my routine or in my habit i sometimes forget that and i get i i get stuck in the grind of like oh cool mm-hmm. i'm gonna try to make this much revenue this month or help these people do this and i'm just in it in yeah. it kind of like what we talked about earlier when you're in the business it's kind of hard to grow it well you're it's yes. similar when you're when you're when you're experiencing life is that when you're in it it's harder for you to be really aware and present of dude i have everything i need and, <laughs> and that then, comes from like sometimes taking it taking yourself too seriously too and like you i set goals and i'm and i really want to achieve those goals but be end up getting so like wrapped up in the number or like the success or the achievement of it that you forget that it's supposed to be fun. Like life isn't, isn't all that serious either. Like you can, you can you know, use that as more of a, a guide than anything. Yeah. Have you heard of the, the poker chip analogy? Oh no. God, your life's a, Tell me about it. Poker. So, well, you're saying the casino. So like in a casino, in a casino, when, when you're, you're playing, playing blackjack or playing poker whatever you've got money on the table and at any time you can cash out those chips and go on with the rest of your day so you can that that is that is that is the real world but then that's not really how how the the game of life is played the the game of life those if you if we're going to compare it to a casino game you may have a handful of chips but at the end of the day, what happens is you can't cash those chips out. It's like, you're going to pass away. You're going to die. You can't take the chips with you. Mm. What happens is those chips go back into the center of the table and they're distributed to other players. That is a game of life. It's like, oh, let me accumulate all the shit. Only when I die, my pile gets put back into the middle of the table. It's distributed amongst the players and I'm left with nothing. Yeah. That's life. That's real life. That's not because that's not how you know, the normal casino game is played. But yeah, just just interesting to put things into perspective of I don't get to take any of this with me. Well, even in, even in a casino, you know, you could win 
and you could go cash out your chips and you take the cash, you take the money, but the chips go back. Yeah. What you take away is like the, the achievement, the success, the, the feeling you get to keep the feeling and the, um, there's some, there's the reward in that, but the actual thing that you used to get it go, you know, is irrelevant. I heard a, I heard a something, I think it was today. I was reading something or maybe it was on Instagram. It was, it was really similar to that, but it's, it's in that, you know, the only thing that you get to keep is the moments and the memories. Everything else is rented because like, as soon as you die, (laughs) right. You don't own any of that stuff. Like it just goes away. And, and, you know, I've been getting more into my spiritual side recently and who the, who knows what happens? Like what really happens? Like, we don't know who knows. Yeah. You don't know. Um, but, but the, the great thing is like, cause, cause moments just pass you by the time passes anyway, what you, what you get is the, the good feelings, the, the memories with friends and the, the laughter and the, the good times, the feelings that you get to keep and hold on to for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Man, how do we get on this topic? I love it. What is your routine like these days? What do you, what do you, what's your day like right now? Yeah. So while I'm, uh, I'm very structured and systematized in business, my day-to-day life actually is more fluid than, um, yeah, than it's ever been. I like a few years ago, you would look at my calendar and it would be just full full of like, all right, you're sleeping at this time. You're going to work out at this time. You're going to start doing note-taking and like journaling and learning. And like now I've discovered that the more open I can keep my schedule and calendar, then I can can fill those things in day of. All right, when do I I want to learn today? When do I feel, go go do the, when do I want to go work out today? And I can do it a lot based off of, well, I have an hour gap here or I have an hour gap here. So I, I, I try to keep my mornings free. Um, I, I love to work in the mornings. I love to like work on projects and create. So whether that's creating a marketing campaign or just brainstorming ways for like, yeah, my, my helps helping my clients. I really like that creative work or even building, like if I'm building something yeah. morning time for sure. The afternoon time is typically times for calls. So I, I don't like to take calls typically before noon. Uh, recently I've have been doing just like some, coffee dates or like networking events and connections with people, uh, getting coffee in the mornings. But I try to limit that to about two days a week or less. So I can have that morning to myself or Mm. just like be able to start at any, any speed or any time. And yeah, I'd say calls typically start around noon or two ish. And then, uh, some teams, so I I work with some people who are in Australia, so they're a little bit later and in the, the afternoon or evening. So I keep it relatively, it's relatively flexible and open. And then there are some standing calls, like with, with clients, they have standing calls yeah. the same time each week. Um, yeah, workouts. So I kind of work out like to them to work out after this. So when yesterday, you feel like, right? yeah, when I feel like, feel, feel like I want to move. And, and I also live walking distance to the gym that I go to, which is the best. They've got a cold plunge and sauna and a, a basketball hoop. And I'll go and shoot. I honestly shoot more than anything because it's just moving. It's like moving, yeah. like responding to the ball, hitting. It's just very therapeutic. Um, 
But yeah, man, I would say loosely my schedule is open in the mornings doing creative work, calls in the afternoon, and then uh, I try to be done. I, I, yeah, I'm figuring out the, the be done part because when I do work with people who are overseas or just like our parents, um, sometimes it'll be eight o'clock when I finish and I don't like that. Like I don't like working past like yeah. 5.30. So uh, I'm currently in the process of cleaning that up a little bit so I have some more more time for myself. Yeah. I've got a, I've got one client in Australia too. And the timing is difficult. Yesterday we had a three o'clock call. It was 5.00 AM for him. Dang, like, yeah. like, well, thanks for getting up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cause I'm the same. Mm -hmm. I, I like to keep my, my calls. Like if I'm sitting on, on the computer, it's like from like 2 PM to about five or six, the latest. And anything after that is too much screen time for me. <laughs> and Dude, I it's to, hard. I like to go to bed. It's hard to go to bed. It's hard to. Yeah. And before turn that, I like, to, yeah, start slow, be creative, do what I what's do that kind of work. Yeah. I, I, used to think I needed to work all the time too. <laughs> I did too, dude. That was, and, and there are parts, there are times where I'm building something. I am doing it, but I'm excited. I'm like, Ooh, I get to wake up early and I get to start doing this thing. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I'll let myself do it. But uh, I used to think I had to do it. I'm like, all right, setting this thing early. I'm yeah. starting with a lot of caffeine because I have to do all these things. And now it's like, <laughs> no, I don't have to do anything. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do it because I want to do it. You're choosing to do it, it me out. and you get to do it. Exactly. That gratitude is, is what's really valuable. And you get so much more done that way too. Because oh my gosh. you don't spend the time like stressing out over it and trying to oh, figure out the right way. And if you are doing that, you're, you're doing too much. It's like, all right, I need to build a team. I need to outsource some of the stuff. Like, yeah, I need to be doing all these things. Yeah. If you can think that way. I, this morning, I, um, yeah, this morning I woke up feeling pretty drained and I've been going pretty hard the last few weeks work-wise, like every single day dedicating several hours to content creation, to uh, engaging on social media and outreach and marketing and then uh, nurturing leads and all of that, just spending a lot of time like investing into other people. And this morning I woke up and I had nothing like scheduled actually until this recording, which was amazing. Nice, dude. Good for you. And, and I was like, right, sitting down, writing, writing out the things I'm going to do for the day. Cause that's my process in the morning. Like I'll write down today. I will. And it just gives me a little accountability and reminder. And I wrote the first thing I wrote down was nap because mm. it's been a while. <laughs> I needed awesome. And, and I realized I was actually like sitting there for a while thinking, you know, what do I need to do today? And then, like you just said, like, oh, I don't need to do anything, you know? In fact, if I do try to sit down and do this work that I think I need to do, then I'm going to be really unproductive and, and end up getting frustrated anyway and pushing this off till tomorrow or Monday or whatever it is. So I might as well focus a little attention on the inside. So totally. a good, good workout, good breakfast, a short yeah. nap and, uh, you know, got some work done yeah i remember for me it was like when i was doing when i did have a big project that needed <laughs> to be done 
that would be like the only thing I would schedule for that part of the day. So it's like, you know, if I really need to get this thing done, I'm going to block out four hours, even mm-hmm. if it takes an hour to do, because yeah. I want to have this range, like you said, so I don't feel like I, I've got to do this and I have 30 minutes to do this. That yeah. doesn't work well. But if I have a four hour period, I'm like, all right, this day is blocked off. Was morning is blocked off for me to get this thing done. It's probably gonna take an hour, but I'm gonna start when I'm ready. Yeah. I'm gonna finish when I'm ready. I'm gonna take my time on it instead of, yeah, rushing, which I know it's not fun. There's been a, from so far in this conversation today, that I've, there have been so many little hacks and tips that people, that listeners can use. And, and on this topic, on the topic of like your workflow, really your routine is, you know, I'd recommend people experiment because what you're, what you're doing right now might not be the best way. There actually might be a, a way that you can work that feels better and gets more accomplished. Um, and it definitely comes down to, well, what we started this conversation with those, the systemization of mm-hmm. your business and having things dialed in because it just takes so much pressure off um, that. And then the personal development stuff, like actually giving yourself some uh, self-appreciation and love, you know? Yeah. Celebrating your wins. I, I love every call I have with clients or, or just like even coworkers is like <clears throat> starting with gratitude and wins. Yeah, Dude, There's just no better way of celebrating. And you're just like, wow, our clients are getting these good results wow, this is going to be an amazing meeting instead of like, you know, here are the numbers. Or what are you struggling with? I used to ask that question. (laughs) We'll talk about that, but let's, let's talk about how, how awesome and how much we're crushing it first. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's a great. um, And I like to ask about people's uh, routines, daily practice. And that's one thing I started doing is in the morning and I don't do it every day. Sometimes I skip, I skip this part and I get right to work, honestly, but some, but most days I'll sit down and I'll write down the wins, mm-hmm. right? No matter how small, right? Such a, yeah. Such a good practice. Like, oh, if I, I wake up, I got to bed on time last night. Awesome. Right. My, my son stayed asleep all night. Win. That's a massive win. <laughs> That's a massive win. Like there's big things and, and you start your day with a little win and guess what? You're, you're way more likely to have more to start stacking them as opposed to waking up and immediately going on, on Instagram or checking your phone or, or getting into the thing you think you need to do. That's going to keep you progressing. But, but if you start a little slower and it really helps. And then that, that little drip of success compounds and stacks and stacks and stacks what um two more questions i want to ask you to to wrap this up matt and um yeah first one what's one what's the biggest lesson you've learned about leadership in your life that i've learned in my life about leadership or recently yeah, I think when it comes to leadership, there's so many things. I mean, uh, the two things that come up. Or what's uh, what's one like one thing in regards to leadership, right? That you used yeah. to be bad at. That you, oh man, you've learned. I, I mean, communication is definitely it, communication is the overall theme. Yeah, right. Is like is always asking before telling. So like you know ask someone why they did something, ask Mm. someone why they're doing it the way they are, 
ask them, did they see, like, if there is a, a process, did they see the process? Did they understand the process? Did, you know, instead of, hey, you didn't do this, do it this way. Uh, you can do that. Okay, you can do that when, and this isn't, this isn't even a good thing to say, mm -hmm. but you, you can do that when you have outsourced work from a VA in the Philippines, but also that's, that, that's not, that's treating them <laughs> less than you treat, right? Less than you treat somebody else. So like, you can do that, but you shouldn't even do that. Like it's, it's, that's not, that's not a healthy way to communicate with people. So I, I always start leading with questions like, Hey, I saw this, this happened. Can you, can you fill me in on, on, on your thought process behind this? Or, Hey, I, you know, uh, if you ever, if you followed nonviolent communication, just like letting them know, Hey, this happened. This is how I feel. This is, this is what I want, or this is what I need asking for, uh, at the end of it is, is, is proposing a, um, like asking a what that question making a request and it's like hey would you be willing to do this next time mm. so i think just asking more questions instead of telling like I, i've been a part of teams and, and there's still teams I'm, I'm still part of where yeah sometimes the operations can get to hey do this do this and it feels very uh military like and mm. it's like this is not fun right but there's other times where i feel the most empowered when there's a discussion and a conversation and because automatically when someone tells you you did something wrong or it's not going the way you want it to, you, you get defensive. And that's just, that's just how things, that's just how you work. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you can open up and be like, Hey man, I saw this happened. I'd love to have a conversation. You know, I'm not mad. I just want to know like, you know, why, why did it happen this way? Mm. Um, okay, cool. Did you see this? This is, this is our, this is our process. Do we need to change the process? Like, you know, how can we make this more clear for you? And, um, yeah. So I think, I think asking questions is really good. And then two, just setting really clear expectations and a lot of the leadership stuff in business can, can be in the form of like KPIs. What are, what are my key performance indicators? What are the things that they, and they can be process-based? It could be like, Hey, you're, you're going to do make, you're going to do these five actions every week. And then just checking in once a week, reviewing them like, Hey, um, did you, did you get this done? And asking the question, like, let them answer, Hey, did you get this done? And if they say no, they, their faces, they, they, they know they didn't do it. Like, no, mm -hmm. I didn't do it. So rather than like me saying, hey, you didn't do it. Just ask, hey, did, did yeah. you get this done this week? No, why not? <laughs> uh, I forgot. Okay, well, well, for next week, what are you going to do to to make sure it gets done? Or like, well, why did you forget, right? So it's like leading with questions. Um that's such it's a great, definitely the most important. That's a yeah. really great um, lesson because I, you know, oftentimes like you, you'd think you want to let someone go because they're underperforming when you could very easily just coach them. And great coaching is, is in asking really great questions. It is. Do you, do you think there's a place for telling versus asking in biz, in the business world? Yeah, I think there is. I think being yes, and it just it depends, right? Like if it's an if it's an internal team member, asking is definitely better, um, because yeah, they're, they're part of your team. When you're outsourcing things, is when you can do more telling and directing. So that's where I was like, oh, it's easier to do it with the VA. Yeah. Like I've I've done that with the VA, but like even like um, they expect like that, like, right? A, like yeah. a contractor would expect to be told, yeah. For the most part, what to do. 
Exactly. Especially if that is the thing of like, Hey, we're just, we are just following actions. Yeah. Even like sometimes agencies, marketing agencies, stuff like that. They're like, Hey, um, I noticed this was done. Like, you know, when someone asks for feedback, I typically, mm-hmm. I typically do give the feedback straightforward of like, Hey, uh, these are the things I would change differently. X, Y, Z on this page. Right. Um, instead of like, yeah, the, going down the process. Well, why did you do it this way? And it, like, so someone's asking and saying, Hey, and maybe, maybe that's part of it is like, I will be, it's, it's good to be direct, but first asking, Hey, can I give you support on this? Hey, can I give you my opinion on this? And yeah. Instead of just coming in and being like, yo, this website's fucking broken. You gotta <laughs> fix this right now. This button doesn't even go in the right spot. It's like, Hey man, uh, are you open to some feedback? Yes. Okay. Now the doors are let down and I can present and, and be more direct on what I'm saying, but it's still, does come down to are you open to having this discussion are you open for feedback mm. hey can i can i share what i found and letting them say yes first it's just like i mean just like coaching or even like a you know hey are you open to coaching on today's call yes okay cool no i just need to be heard i just want to be heard today i don't want your i don't want your advice okay cool that's awesome thanks for letting me know that sets the ground rules for today sometimes that's all that it takes too and and i could point out here that it does go in both directions. And sometimes, uh, you know, you may be on the receiving end of the, the negative feedback or the telling, right? Like, this is all wrong. This is how you're supposed to do it. And you could be on that receiving end and then choose to either react and get mad and, you know, start the, that cycle, or you start to ask questions, right? Well, well, clearly, if somebody is telling me that something is wrong and they're pointing this out, well, they f- they feel like something is missing. So let me find out what that is so I can best support them, right? And I imagine being, you know, what like for, for an example, like what you do for some companies, like building out ads and websites and things like that, you'd want to know how you can do a better job. Right. And so you can lead them in a way as well as, you know, they could reciprocate by asking better questions and clarifying things. So it does Definitely. go both ways, whatever oh. side of the, the coin or the business you're on or the transaction, which it usually money is involved and that makes things a little like weird for some people, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, you can definitely, um, be curious. That's where we started with this conversation. Imagine, and that's what I noticed is, is, you know, the, the best leaders that I've met, the ones that, that are really curious and who really want to see improvement because it's not about the, it's not about the ego. It's more about the accomplishment or accomplishing the goal or doing the thing that we set out, to, we set out to do right? Versus fulfilling something internally, like trying to be better, being the best at something. Mm -hmm. Last question, Matt, what, how do you, what would you say it takes to be fit for adventure? In whatever that means to you? Yeah, the word that came up to me was, was uh, flexible, being flexible, or responsive and adaptive. Those types of words fit for adventure is, yeah, is being able to adapt when situations are change, 
because like life is just always changing. There's there there's one thing that you can predict, and that there's always going to be changes, and it's mm. it's never going to be the same. So fit for being fit for adventure, yeah. The word flexible, adaptable, comes up for me. Yeah, I like that. That's really that's really useful, and that applies. That can apply to a lot of things. Yeah, being resilient. Yeah. I just um, I started an audiobook. Sometimes with the audiobooks, man, there's like the 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 person who's speaking is not as good as the, you know uh, as you wish. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm reading one now. It's um, oh, shoot, what is it called? It's something along those lines. It's uh, anti-fragile, anti-fragile. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. on my list. Yeah, it goes over that. Yeah, they talk about flex flexibility in your in your thinking. Yeah, and just being being adaptable, respond like 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 that. Because if you're fragile, you're easily broken. If you're, what's the opposite of being fragile? It could be anti-fragile. Yeah, but it's not, it's not like stern like a rock, right? Like it's fragile. Like I can't break it. Unbreakable. Like I think of like hard rock, but it's not. It's it's more so being adaptable, mm. uh, able to to make changes when needed and not stuck into a, a routine or a, a way of being. Yeah. Awesome. Matt, thanks, man. This was fun. Mm -hmm. This is very fun. Yeah. I, that's, that's why I have a podcast. It's so, it's so much fun. <laughs> I get to talk to people about cool things, right? Business, adventure, travel. It's, mm -hmm. it's really the best. And, uh, and for those who like, you know, a lot of the listeners are entrepreneurs, are business owners. Um, start a podcast. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. it's great um, for for getting things out there, for learning. Right, this is my time to like learn. I get to learn from every person that um, that I talk to. You build relationships. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've actually like recorded podcasts and then gotten clients because of that because they heard mm -hmm. something and uh, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Um, what do you, what do you offer? What, how do you help people and where can people find you? Yeah. You can find me find two places. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram, Matt underscore Shiver or mattshiver.com. And yeah, I help businesses scale through building systems. That's, that's really how I help people. Um, I do offer a done for you paid advertising service as well. So those are, those are the two ways that I really support people and, and systems involve, like we talked about earlier, just being really clear. Can you put your offer on a piece of paper? And this is how I acquire clients. Mm -hmm. This is how I fulfill on those services because the sooner you can do that, the sooner you can build a team, the sooner you can double your lead flow and it won't destroy you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I really help people with systems so they can be more organized and through organization and creating space, just like, like travel does for me, um, it allows people to be, to step into their unique genius and to do what they really want to do and love to do instead of doing everything. Awesome. And, and yeah, man, for listen, people listening, Matt is the real deal. Like not just making things up. Like you're, you're going to get more clarity, um, be able to translate things much better to your customers or potential customers and um, 
and have a have a a, a lot more fun in the process. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's what that's what it's all about. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, Appreciate man. the time. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Share it with a friend. Share it with a lot of friends. And we love to see and read what our listeners and friends have to say. So please write something up about us. Leave us an actual review because those are the things that help us stay motivated to do this more and keep pushing keep pushing up toward the summit and remember to head over to mysummit.academy for more information about our courses and programs and upcoming retreats i hope you enjoy the rest of your day see you on the summit